just this year, I'm not going to say his name, but one of the men on one of the teams kind of stood up, and he was a senior leader, and talked about how he said, hey, when I grew up, I kept feeling that I need to be this kind of guy mm -hmm. um, based off the way I was raised, and I just want to let you guys know, like, here at Bowdoin, you can, you know, you don't need to do that. Um, and I think that's, he's talking about how that's one of the more important things in his life that he found. And I don't think you get a lot of those conversations and that candidness in other atmospheres. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it goes a long way when you see a senior leader coming up and saying, hey, listen to this, like this, this is true. On the college's website, Be Massive, an acronym for the group Bowdoin Men Against Sexual Violence, is described as a group of Bowdoin men who work to end sexual violence on campus. Be Massive strives to educate and raise awareness about sexual violence in a variety of ways, most significantly by holding facilitations for all men on athletic teams and all men living in college houses. When students at Bowdoin think of Be Massive, I'm not so sure we understand the group in the same way. In fact, some people don't seem to know about it at all. In this episode, I sat down with three male students, two senior leaders of Be Massive, and another student who trained to be a Be Massive leader, but had a slightly different experience. I wanted to understand how constructions and perceptions of masculinity at Bowdoin highlight our own attitudes towards the relationship between gender and sexual violence. More pressingly, I wanted to see how these men conceived of Be Massive and how that compared to the campus attitude toward the group. What does it mean to create an empowering and safe place for men to discuss sexual violence? I'm Emma Newberry, and you're listening to The Commons. people to feel comfortable in this space and we want people to learn and I we don't necessarily feel like that can be fully necessarily like accomplished in the way that we hope to accomplish it in having like a, a more diversified space with men and women and people who don't identify and everything um, we just feel like it would and we've we've tried in the past to actually include and do um, <clears throat> joint facilitation with the B space which is our kind of female counterpart right um, and we're, we've been putting that playbook together for a while to do college houses. But I think for the time being, you know, the way that we facilitate things at this current time, I think it's best to just keep things in a more comfortable environment that increases participation. This is Noah Nelson, a senior leader of Be Massive and one of my closest friends at Bowdoin. Noah played on the football team for all four years of college and has been involved with Be Massive since his junior year. What made you want to be a leader of the group? Um, there are people that are really close to me in my life that have been affected by sexual violence. We've had some captains in the past that have run the group or helped do stuff with the group and help with facilitations. So I think I've always I've always known what it was. Mm -hmm. But I actually didn't get involved until my junior year. Um, okay. So I was reached out to by Peter Benson, who was the former, like, major leader right uh, and he graduated this past year but uh, it was mike netto and me and peter that did it last year yeah mm -hmm. and then this year 
Noah co-leads the group with a junior named Octavio, who is currently studying abroad, and Seth, a senior and member of the men's hockey team. I asked Seth to give his definition of the group and what they aim to do on campus. Uh, so, Bodemen Against Sexual Violence, the idea is we're sitting down with every single men's sports team and having an open conversation about sexual violence and maybe ways that it can be prevented, um, ways to be more apparent and know what's going on, especially when alcohol can be involved in a lot of events in college. Um, we also talk about what it means to be a man and some of the stigmas that, you know, forcing people to try to be something isn't, which isn't healthy, really. Uh, so we talk, and it's really just more of an open discussion. Um, and, yeah. Why do you think that that's particularly important to have it be an all-male space? I think it's important because it's you're sitting down um, and having a group conversation and letting it all. It's open conversation. That's the idea is that you're say what you mean and say what you need to say. I asked Noah to break down a typical facilitation for me. He placed the same emphasis on comfort and participation as the main goals of the group. What is it about an all-male group that fosters a more comfortable environment? And should comfort matter in these sorts of discussions? So they start out basically just an introduction, who we are, why we are part of Be Massive, what the facilitation is going to look like. You know, we say this is going to be 45 minutes to an hour, and we hope that what's said here stays here, but what's learned here leaves here. And that's mm -hmm. like kind of my message out before we get the trainings going. Um, the first activity that we do is called the man box, which is, it's kind of hard to explain without showing it on pen and paper. Um, but essentially... I think people can understand what a box is. Right? Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but essentially, so what it is, it's a three-wave engagement I guess, activity with the audience or with the, the group that we're facilitating. So basically the first thing we ask is, you know, what, what are things that are stereotypically masculine, characteristics, aspects, activities, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and we write that in kind of this, like the center of this imaginary box that isn't drawn yet. Mm -hmm. Next, we have things that kind of are the opposite. What are, you know, qualities, aspects, activities that are often seen as non-masculine. Mm -hmm. um, and then we write that around what our imaginary box was of, you know, the things yeah. that are manly. And then the third part of that is asking what we call those people that don't necessarily fit into the characteristics of being manly. Mm -hmm. And that's our little, that's our third part of the outer box. And so then what we do is we draw a box around the inside, uh, around the traits that are masculine and yeah. kind of separate that from everything else. And we, we just ask people to really think about and kind of maybe maybe idealize someone or, or picture someone that they've always looked up to. And 99% of the time, that person does not stick strictly in the box. Yeah. You know, they don't necessarily only drive trucks, drink beers, and, and you know, whatever it may be. Yeah, we can't all be a year. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. I'm trying to... <laughs> that's, that's not fair. Um, no, but... Uh, yeah, so that's kind of what the activity is, and we really just push people to, you know, realize that men don't always have to stay inside this box. That's that's the first half, and from there we move on to our um, sexual assault awareness, basically, activities. So we mm -hmm. do an activity about consent, and then we read two stories, one from a survivor and one from actually someone who started the group. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we finish up with kind of a, a group reflection and goal-setting activity. I think that's really impactful because... 
it's a little difficult to read through, but I think it captures everyone's attention pretty quickly. And it talks about the different things and how, you know, you can see both sides of the person's thinking, oh, this is okay when it's not. And you see the, the survivor's story and how it affected her. Mm-hmm. And then you also get to see someone that had a close friend um, be victimized. And that it, I think those things are really, really heavy. Yeah. Um, and hard hard to listen to because of how real and uh, how it makes you feel. But I think that's the most impactful. I think that really get, catches people's attention. What do you think you feel like is the most important quality to have as a facilitator? Transparency, I think, is pretty big because you need to be able to go up there, understand what we're talking about, be able to talk about it, which is yeah. also difficult. A lot of people can't always do that. Uh, and kind of being able to feel the room in a sense, know, you know, how to control a room in a sense where you can be a good presenter. Um, and then you need to be transparent, I think is the biggest key is you need to say, hey, listen to this, like, this is something that when you talk about, this is an open conversation, feel free to jump up and say something, feel free to argue with something, feel free with anything to do, because that's the idea is we're having a conversation here. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking to you. My idea isn't speaking at you, it's a whole open conversation. One of my the things I was really curious about is because I know, especially with an all male space, I feel like something that goes into that is wanting it to be really safe and have people feel like they can express themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you strike a balance between wanting people to feel comfortable and open and like making sure that people are? held accountable for things that they're saying mm-hmm. or like pushing back on things that might be an issue things can kind of spiral in a team setting which is mm-hmm. i think kind of where you're leading with this too is that yeah. um because these people are on the same team that because they know each other so well they have inside jokes they kind of you know throw out some some things that probably shouldn't be said yeah and in that case i just don't write them on the board and i say next one um mm. So if, if I think things get are getting a bit out of hand, I try and silence that pretty quickly. But it's it's an interesting balance to strike too because you don't want the facilitation to die because the yeah. facilitations are hugely participation based. You know, we if we're not getting responses, this facilitation is going to be an hour and a half because I'm just going to wait. With that said, do you feel like there is a really big benefit of having it be? Um, an all-male group? For me, it doesn't necessarily add anything, but I think for the participants going through it, I think it matters a lot. Um, I think that when you are in a group of your teammates, uh, so say, like, for, I mean, I'll use football because I played football. Yeah. Um, if I'm in a room with my teammates, I am going to be more likely to say the more realistic thing yeah. of what the question may be asking. Say it's the man box activity. Um, I'm not going to, th- uh, maybe I'll throw out a joke or two if I'm, you know, immature or whatever. But, um, I think that having the group be a co-ed space or having, you know, multiple different types of people in that room, mm-hmm. it might lessen the, I guess, participation yeah. that we're looking for. Do people tend to accept being uncomfortable in that kind of way? Are people open to it, do you think? I think people are pretty open to it, um, especially when... Noah and I have done this for the last two or three years, so yeah. we're pretty 
used to having it's like it's okay to be uncomfortable um, we don't want to make you uncomfortable it's not the plan but the idea is you know sometimes you got to really see what things are um, rather than beat around the bush I was intrigued by the notion of an all-male group focused on keeping participation very insular while also striving to make an impact on the campus as a whole. Henry, a senior at Bowdoin who attended three facilitations with B-Massive as a member of a sports team and trained to be a facilitator his junior fall, had some thoughts on this too. He touched on the nature of B-Massive itself and the possible discrepancies between its intentions and its effects. So I think the goal of B-Massive is is incredibly admirable. It's something that we need to address, which is kind of dismantling a lot of the stereotypes around being a man on campus and the fact that the cultural understanding around masculinity has a lot of negative repercussions. Mm -hmm. That comes out in the social scene, in classrooms, in pretty much every facet of life. So I feel like Be Massive really approaches masculinity uh, from the right angle, that we need to improve masculinity and make it something that is accepting for everybody. Um, where I think they miss their goal is the actual execution of it. I think the at least the program that I was involved in in my first three years at Bowdoin, um, it was more counterproductive in the idea that they highlighted um, the flaws in masculinity without actually addressing them. So instead of encouraging students to work past the drawbacks of toxic masculinity, which there are many, um, end up just kind of highlighting them and then leaving it at that. Um, and I think that because they only went as far as highlighting, it kind of reinforces instead of uh, dismantling the ideas of toxic masculinity. In particular, Henry emphasized the detrimental effects of the man box activity that Noah described earlier. I think it's really flawed is that the first section, the man box exercise, just reinforces these ideas of toxic masculinity. It doesn't address them in any effective way. It just allows teams to shout out things that they think of as manly and non-manly, which reinforces those ideas. Mm -hmm. And what I think is the best manifestation of that is that over the course of the things that are manly and the things that are not manly, they get more and more outrageous. So people will start yelling um, in the non-masculine section derogatory words for women. I think there's more freedom of not being judged mm -hmm. in the, the all-male setting um, and I actually think that's a good thing so that people aren't afraid to offend because I think a big part of it, of this should be people saying things that are offensive and then that being addressed. Yeah. And I think the fact that people are saying things that are offensive and that isn't being addressed, it's just being separated and by a box, mm -hmm. that's counterproductive. Um, but I do think um, the idea that people are comfortable in the space because it's only men is actually necessary towards dismantling toxic masculinity in that setting, mm -hmm. but um, it's just when it gets a little bit out of hand and not geared towards the path they're trying to follow that it becomes a little bit questionable. Yeah, the current, the way it's set up now, it wouldn't function at all if it were co-ed. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that actually is a symptom of the problem because uh, the fact that the men in these facilitations are saying things that they wouldn't have said in front of women implies that they're saying things that aren't appropriate and that they're saying things that are toxic. So 
I think there's value to having them be just men. I think that's actually a really important part about like men. Let's address this issue within our own culture and let's let's mm-hmm. address that and let's fix it. I think that's really important. But when it comes to the point where you're saying things that you wouldn't have been able to say had women been present, that's problematic. I mean, one of the big things is it's called Bodeman Against Sexual Violence Be Massive, which right. on its own, it. yeah, yeah, I mean, right away we're talking about something that's a little bit toxic. So the name itself is right away counterproductive. Um, what do you think are some hesitations people have about a group that is all male and is advocating against sexual violence, like from that kind of platform? As far as stereotypes that, like negative stereotypes they have of us? Yeah, or? I mean, I'm thinking also about like the name the of name, the group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Let's I, just get that trust on me, the if table. I could, if I could change the name, I would. So actually, so Be Massive, we co-sponsored a masculinity summit this year. Right. Um, and a professor from Colby came and spoke. And at Colby, they have a group just called MAV, Men Against Violence, mm-hmm. um, which I think rolls off the tongue way better, way better than Be Massive. But it's also B-M-A-S-V, but it's just easier to say Be Massive. Be Massive. But then people are always like, oh, like, be like this massive guy. Right. Yeah, not what I'm looking for there. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I think the name doesn't really help us, but I think the message does. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that message necessarily gets put across in the most accurate way all the time. Yeah. Um, I think if you're part of one of the facilitations, you get it. And I think it's hard, which I think it's great while we're doing this conversation now, because it's if you don't understand what goes on there, it's hard to understand. And it's yeah. easy for people to be like, oh, like they don't do anything. Or, you know, they're just like being stereotypical, like masculine. Yeah, like the male savior thing I was thinking of a little right. bit. Yeah. But in reality, like, that's kind of the opposite of what we're doing. And right. it's, um, and it, I wish that we'd be able to get that message across easier to people because I feel like it does kind of put down the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I understand because not everyone's going to agree with everything that everyone does. Seth echoed this same sentiment. How would you respond if someone believed that or expressed to you that they think Be Massive upholds more toxic ideas of masculinity by being like an exclusively male group that's interesting um do you think that that i think they probably hadn't sit in a facilitation before yeah would be my opinion i think it's easy to, to kind of assume the worst when we're trying to do the opposite so yeah um it's unfortunate people think that because we've talked to a lot of people uh, and it's helped them a lot. I don't see the toxicity out of that. Mm-hmm. That's a real word. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, I've seen it help and affect so many people over the last three or four years. I'd be, I'd hold a conversation with the person, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't probably understand that yeah. point. How do you think that men on campus who are not in athletic teams or don't have direct experiences with Be Massive see the group? I think that's a really good question. I think that the people who have no ties to it in any way either don't know of it, Mm -hmm. don't know it exists, or have this bad conception of it in their head. Um, This idea that it's pretty much what I've been talking about. Um, But I I think that um, my friends who who haven't been a part of facilitations and I haven't talked to about the facilitations, they perceive it as something that is just a bunch of white guys from sports teams from right outside of Boston talking about, you know, masculinity on campus, and they find that ironic. And I think there are a lot of ways that the 
that the massive can kind of address the cultures they address too that they mm-hmm. they're confronting um, and I think leaving just sports teams behind is a good way to do that incorporate sports teams incorporate first year seminars maybe mm-hmm. incorporate um, as I mentioned earlier theater acapella um, all of these different groups on campus that yeah. are massive organizations that have so many men in them um, there are other groups on campus than men's sports teams mm-hmm. that's 15% of campus there's another 35% that is very much relevant to their mission. Um, I think that the reason that we've predominantly done male teams in the past is because it's easy to get them all there. And it's a group that will listen to their captains and mm-hmm. you know show up at this specific time. And I think it's hard to have crowd control and regulation as far as size of the groups because that, that matters a lot. What do you wish could be different about the way B-Massive is, like you use the word marketed to mm-hmm. the rest of campus I wish that I think part of it comes in with the name yeah I think that B massive is it doesn't help us a lot I think Mav is a great thing um, I think maybe if we were to develop a, a playbook or a way for to facilitate this to a wider variety of people that the messaging would get through a whole lot better mm-hmm. um, I think that maybe if we didn't facilitate nearly strictly male athletic teams, we'd have more participation from non-athletes in facilitations yeah. too. I mean, Octavio was our only non-athlete leader, um, but you know the, what got him really super involved in the first place was the idea of doing college house stuff. <clears throat> I think that you know if we were to open it up to the campus, that'd be something I'd love to do. Mm-hmm. But. I think that it also may take away from the participation because if I'm sitting in a room, as say I say I'm participating in a facilitation, uh, if I'm sitting in a room with 30 guys that I don't know, yeah, I'm probably not going to be as likely to say what I'm thinking, or I'll be more likely to say what I think the right thing to say is, right. as opposed to just saying like what's actually like on my mind, hmm. um, which is a big part of the facilitation. But I would love to get more involvement from men, from men on campus. Um, we've We've reached out to and we're trying to get like acapella groups. Um, you know, like I said, the college house system, right. we're, we're working on a joint facilitation. So we're trying to expand that, but it's a kind of a slow process. Um, but as far as messaging, it would be more towards what we actually talk about as opposed to the name. Yeah. Like, I don't think people really know that we talk about masculinity. Um, masculinity is a huge part of what we talk about. Um, we have a goal-setting activity. It's like a very cooperative, you know, whoever we're facilitating, whatever team gets into small groups and they really talk about the facilitation. There was this great moment this year where um, Seth and I were facilitating a team and he was talking about it and I was up on the board and we had just run through the consent activity mm-hmm. and as it was like, it per- lined up perfectly, it was almost like a movie, like it lined up. <laughs> but, um, you know, I was circling and highlighting the things as he was talking about it on the board and the room went silent. And silence is a really hard thing for a facilitation sometimes because you want people to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. But after that activity and after kind of all of our activities, we want a point of reflection that we really got. And that happens like almost every single time. I don't think a lot of people know this thing. It's just 30 guys sitting in a room doing whatever. Uh, I don't think a lot of people see the seriousness that comes out of it and also a lot of people, because a lot of people have, know someone or have been affected themselves 
is, and a lot of people are quiet about that. So I think when people stand up and have a conversation and say, listen, pay attention, let's try to put our you know, right foot forward. And I don't think a lot of people know that those kind of conversations actually go on during their facilitations. And for me, I think it's awesome because it's, it's what we're going for, that's what we want to do. So knowing that after doing this is for three, four years, it's, that is successful to certain people. And if it's only a few people, it's better than none, is my opinion. So I don't think a lot of people know about that kind of stuff. But it's also not something we put in the front and be like, oh, this actually works for certain people. It's not the way we work. So. Yeah, Whatever. definitely air quotes. Um, I don't know. I think that's the definition of a good guy is different for every person. Um, mm -hmm. I think the the way you lead life is as long as it's respectful of other people, you're being at least somewhat good. Um, I do think that in Be Massive, there's this idea that they are the good guys um, and that they are not that they're combating the bad guys. They're just informing people of what it means to be a good guy. Um, I think that's an important difference because it operates on the assumption that um, they're not really directly addressing the problem, they're kind of overviewing that a problem exists. I don't think that Be Massive fosters toxicity. Mm -hmm. I, I think it, again, very much is geared towards combating it, but I think the means that they take end up fostering it okay. accidentally. I know that um, Noah and Seth are both really good guys who are invested in combating toxic masculinity on campus. I just I disagree with the methods that BMassive takes. Is there a male role model, either on campus or just in your life, that you think of when you're thinking of how to be a good mm -hmm. man, or whatever uh, that means to yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope he doesn't hear this, but Peter Benson, he's <laughs> he's the one who recruited me in. He's the one, he, he ran this all by himself last year. And I think, wow. he, yeah, he, He's an unbelievable guy. He's actually been in Indonesia for the last 10 years on a Fulbright scholarship. Um, one of the smarter guys I know, but also one of the most transparent people I know, in a, in a good way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's very, he's someone that, he's just an unbelievable person, and he has gone out of his way multiple times. I believe he had an individual that was affected by sexual violence uh, within his four years here, and that you know, he really would bring that emotion knowing that, you know, what we're doing here is to be helpful, to be on top of this and to try to be better than what we are now. Well, then would you say, thinking realistically, do you feel like you are um, achieving as much as you could be? No. No. Even speaking realistically? Yeah. Okay. This current state, no, we're not really achieving. I think that all that we have the ability to. And you think that it would be possible to expand the group and do those things you were talking about while also retaining like comfort yes yeah i think that there are definitely ways i think it makes the facilitations harder to do mm -hmm. because managing that line is kind of hard in these meetings yeah because i've snapped a couple times in these meetings not necessarily snapped as far as like screaming but i'll whip my head around from the board and be like you cannot say that or yeah. like that is not okay and there was one time i forget where it was um, it was one of my first facilitations. I heard someone say something, and I turned around and was like, that's not funny. And the room went silent. 
and I'm happy I did it because what was said was not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but it did, it altered the way that people participated after that, which is unfortunate. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a weird line to, to balance that way. Do you see these lessons being embodied in like your friends or in social situations? I think that I do in certain times. Yeah. I think it's hard for people unless they've been through the facilitation or they have seen something like this happen to someone close to them. Mm Mm-hmm that they get it and I think it's hard to get unless you're forced to understand it yeah um which is why I think the people who are so involved in this group are part of this group I think when these issues are talked about it's one thing but to see them happen really I think sets Mm -hmm. sets in for people or to know of specific instances of this and it's unfortunate that it, it takes that yeah. takes a, a physical or emotional unfortunate connection to situations that we talk about like this mm-hmm. that it makes them to, to really drive the message home. So I wish we could change that, but I think it's hard for us to change that. Despite being on different sides of the facilitation and on the efficacy of the group, Noah, Seth, and Henry all acknowledge the difficulties of situating a group like Be Massive within the larger culture of campus. I think that's how a lot of people will be from their first year to their final year. You kind mm-hmm. of figure things out. That's, that's what college is. Um, I know it sounds really stereotypical, but no, that's <laughs> I think as a guy, especially joining Be Massive, I've become more aware of things on campus, and I'm very glad for that. Mm-hmm. And I think it has, you know, made me become more of a. I think more. I guess aware is the best way I can say it. I think they need to step back to square one. And realize that they've got great bones to the to the mm-hmm. building of Be Massive, which other than the name, um, which is this this genuine desire to counter toxic masculinity of Bowden. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important. I think that needs to happen. And I think men need to play a major role in making that happen. And I think that's square one. And I agree one hundred percent with Be Massive on that. The next step they take is designing the facilitation that for me, from my perspective, ends up kind of fostering, maybe not encouraging, but not combating these mm-hmm. these pillars of toxic masculinity. And I think I would take a step in a different direction that focuses more on actually challenging masculinity in a bunch of different ways on campus. I'd like to commend them, though, for like the masculinity summit they did was mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Like that, that was an, an amazing event that forced people to think critically about identity and masculinity on campus. More of that would be wonderful. In the facilitations themselves, I think incorporating conversations like that that force students to consider their own position mm-hmm. and consider the roles that they play in the ways that they touch the lives of others on campus through their masculinity is relevant and would be immensely productive for creating a Bowdoin that is safe and inclusive for everybody. But as it's, So as it stands, you don't feel that Be Massive is achieving that? I don't know. Not that it's a horrible failure, just that it's kind of a net neutral. Hmm. I think eventually there will come a time, hopefully, when there isn't this toxicity that kind of permeates culture. Be Massive can play a role in that, I think, if they actually work with different bodies of, of students who identify as men on campus in mm-hmm. creating dialogues. Uh, about productive ways that masculinity can 
exist without being toxic in a place like Bowdoin, especially a community this small, the the individual use of their masculinity is relevant every day. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to recognize. And I think Be Massive does recognize that. And I like that. Um, I just think, again, coming back to being a broken record, but I feel like just it's counterproductive as it is towards that goal. Plan for future Be Massive. Yeah. I would definitely say finish up and start facilitating. This is probably a more realistic goal for next year or mm-hmm. the year after. Finish up and start facilitating fully all of college houses because yeah. I think that's a demographic that would be huge for us to touch right now because mm-hmm. a lot of what we do involves the sports teams and these first years hear the mess- this message and then they hear it as sophomores and then the juniors and seniors. Mm-hmm. But we're not really getting this information into the minds of, like, young people all the time. Yeah. And I wish that there was a way that we could do this for more first years because I think having this information and learning and going through this facilitation when younger really enhances everyone's Bowdoin experience. Yeah, yeah. So I think another thing that we could do is maybe do something during first year orientation. Um, I think another thing that we could do is, is kind of expand what we do as far as non-athlete male representation on this campus. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Be Massive in itself is inherently, you know, it kind of separates people because, it, you know, it asks for people that identify as men. Mm-hmm. But I think that including incorporating the more and more different people that w- I think in an ideal world we could do is just not realistic at this yeah. time for us as like a small group. I think increasing the numbers is something that's very realistic. I think increasing the participation of facilitators is mm-hmm. very realistic. Um, I wish those are some things that I would look back on. I'm like, God, I wish I could, I, I did more to do that mm-hmm. when I was here. But I think the messaging of what Be Massive does is still the whole purpose of it all. And yeah. if, you, if you're a part of a facilitation and you go through it, you get it. Um, and I think that's, you know, we, in trying to do all these things, that's the one thing we can't lose sight of. Special thanks to Noah Nelson, Seth Cooper, and Henry Bradar for contributing to this episode. If you'd like to hear more from the Bowdoin Commons, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, and on our website, thecommonspodcast.org.